All right, so if you would just extend your hands to me, I'd love to receive your prayers because I really want to uh, get the Lord's heart on this. So, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share today. I pray that nobody falls asleep while I'm talking. I pray that we all have a good time and enjoy this, but we also all really grow closer in our relationship with you and with each other. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, it has been just kind of a whirlwind time for us in my house. And um, if you don't know, uh, last week my daughter Grace graduated. Great times. And we've been running in and out to graduation parties and, and doing different things like that. So it's fun. It's draining. And, um, but it's, it's all good. But I was talking with uh, one of my friends um, who lives down in Florida a week or two ago, and we were just talking about raising kids and what it's like. And, you know, you get, we, we're, we've just graduated our second of three, so we got two down, one to go. And um, he's, got, he's got three daughters, and we were just talking about some of the ups and downs of parenting. And it's, you know, we were saying there's just such this tension that you live in is half the time you're thinking, am I doing too much? Am I going to just overwhelm them? And then the other half the time, am I not doing enough? And, then, and, and it's just, you're bouncing back and forth. Do I need to do more? Do I need to do less? What, what should I be doing? And you're constantly second-guessing yourself. And I don't think this just has to do with parenting. I think it has to do with life. And so what conclusion he and I came to, he said, you know, what I just really did is, is I just decided to pray a lot and I said you know what that's a great idea I said I said because I may look back and I may regret that I did too much I may look back and I re may regret that I didn't do enough but I don't think I'll ever look back and regret that I prayed too much and so what I wanted to talk about today is um, it's it's not as much today about raising kids as it is about life and specifically where prayer fits into our lives now I'm not a prayer expert I am not the deepest intercessor but I do pray I do know how to pray and so wherever you are in your relationship in your prayer time with God I think that you'll be able to benefit from what I'm talking about today I wanted to kind of bring us up to speed last week was Pentecost Sunday wasn't it fun I had to leave early for the graduation party for my daughter, but I listened. I, I was here for the first part through worship, and then I listened um, on my phone as, a, as I was going back to pick up cupcakes and uh, flowers and all of that good stuff. But Aaron talked about uh, Pentecost, and it's, it was a, he gave all the details. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to listen to it. But I wanted to bring you up to speed. I wanted to bring some scriptures to mind that happened a little while after Pentecost. So I'm going to give you a timeline to look at here to kind of show you where I'm coming in. So as you can see on this timeline, now I do want to say this is according to BibleHub.com. Scholars debate on exact dates. Okay, The Bible does not, you can't just open the Bible and say this happened on this date. So usually most scholars debate within about five years or so. So don't take this as like the exact dates, but it'll give you a, a general timeline. So around 30 AD, Jesus died and he was resurrected. And then later that same year, 
was Pentecost, and that's what we celebrated last Sunday. About the year 31 was when Stephen was martyred, and Saul, or Paul, who became Paul, was persecuting the church. And one of the things I want to point out is, so Pentecost happened, and it didn't necessarily make life easier. Like the Holy Spirit showed up, and it's not like it was smooth sailing from there. And so a lot of times we think if we have this Holy Spirit encounter, life is going to get easy, and that's not necessarily the truth. It doesn't get easier, it just gets better. Okay? Then um, in 34, Paul was converted. So this guy who was persecuting the church is all of a sudden representing the church, evangelizing for the church. I can't imagine how shocking that must have been for some of the, the apostles and, and the early Jewish Christians to look at this guy who was having them killed all of a sudden saying, oh, I was wrong, and you guys are right, and I'm going to preach for you. I can't imagine that. Then in um, 37, verse, uh, in, in the year 37, Peter preached to the Gentiles. So when they were starting to get the idea that maybe this isn't just for the Jews, this could actually, Jesus might actually be for the whole world. Okay? And so that was, that was a few years later. And then where this story picks up, where I want to look at, is in AD, about AD 42, around 10, 12 years after Pentecost. So keep in mind, they had this Holy Spirit encounter. Everything is, is accelerating. Things are amazing. But persecution has come as well. And there's, this is what's happening at that time. I'm going to pick up, if you have uh, Bibles and you want to follow along in your Bibles, this is Acts chapter 12. So about 12 years after Pentecost is Acts chapter 12, coincidentally. Let me read, uh, I'm going to just start with verses 1 and 2. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. Now for those of you um, who follow the chosen, this is big James. Okay? Those of you who don't, go watch it. It's really good. There are a couple of Jameses, and so I don't want to get them confused because he comes up again, and you're like, wait a minute, I thought he was dead. He is dead at this point, okay? It's very sad. It must have been very traumatic and shocking. He was one of the apostles. He was the first apostle martyred. This is 12 years after Pentecost, okay? His life didn't get easier, all right? So he gets martyred. He dies. And then uh, pick up in verse 3. When he saw, and, and we're talking about um, Herod the king, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. So not only was James, one of the apostles, arrested and killed, now they've arrested Peter. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread when he, when he had seized him. He put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after Passover to bring him out before the people. That probably meant he was going to be executed as well. Okay? So, James, big James, was just martyred, killed. And 
they've captured Peter and he's looking at possibly being killed as well and he's got four squads of soldiers and so there's not a whole lot that they can do moving on to uh, verse 5 so Peter was kept in prison but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Now, he's asleep between soldiers, between them. Bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. That's really kind of funny to me. <laughs> Peter's asleep and the angel kicks him and he wakes him up <laughs> and his chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him gird yourself and put on your sandals and he did so and he said to him wrap your cloak around you and follow me and he went out and continued to follow and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision how weird is that the angel kicks him awake and he literally leads him out. The, sh the chains fall off and he literally leads him out and Peter doesn't even know, believe that it's happening in reality. Like this is all actually happening in, in the flesh. It's actually happened to him and he is just thinking I must be seeing a vision. That's really interesting to me. I just wonder, just kind of as a side note, if there aren't times that we're actually interacting with angels and angelic beings and God himself when we just think we're daydreaming. Is it possible? It happened for Peter. I just wonder how many times we might have actually encountered the angelic and the Lord himself when we just thought, oh, I just must have been having, a I just must have been daydreaming. Anyhow, that's a side note. Verse 10, when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. Now that's pretty cool too. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Just as a side thing, I don't know why the gate had to open by itself. Peter could have opened the gate by himself, but God's just that fun. You know, I mean, I mean, I just think it's really neat that God would even open the gate by himself. It's just it just seems like a detail that really wouldn't have mattered. But God did it anyways, just because he's God. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod from all that the Jewish people were expecting. This is amazing, too. Only then did Peter actually realize what was happening. And I just wonder, maybe he, if he, I, I, I'm just guessing, maybe if he knew what was going on, he would have ruined it by waking up the soldiers. You know, he would have been so excited, so flipping out, that he needed to kind of be in a trance so that God could kind of just steer him out of this and get him outside. Moving on to verse 12. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. So, so 
John Mark um, it was, was part of the early church there at the house of his mother, Mary. And if you don't know the name of the woman in the New Testament, Mary's a pretty good guess because there are about 10 of them, it seems like. Now, they were praying. They were praying there. They were praying because Peter was in prison and about to die. So keep this in mind. They were praying right then. Verse 13. When he, that's Peter, knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Now this, I got to see the video of this when I get to heaven. Like she's so excited, she comes to the door. She's like, it's Peter, it's Peter. And then she runs away and leaves him standing at the door, locked out. I, it had to be so hilarious. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, verse 15. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it, th it is his angel. Now, what were they praying for? They were praying for Peter to be delivered. And yet, what's more likely in their minds is that an angel showed up. <laughs> I mean, isn't that hilarious? Like, how common were angels showing up in that time? <laughs> I mean, it must have been a really common thing for them to think it's more likely that an angel showing up at the door than for Peter actually be released from prison, which is what you were praying for. You were asking for that. It's shocking, and God answered it, and that was like the last thing they thought could happen. <laughs> Verse 16. But Peter continued knocking, thank God, and when they, op when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. Or just so all of you who guys are in the chosen, that's little James, not big James. J big James died. Little James is still there kind of helping run things. Okay. I want to say, um, keep in mind, they just saw that, that Big James died. And they knew that Peter was on the path to dying. And what was the difference? Yes, praying, praying. Going back to verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. So what's the point that I'm trying to make here? The point that I want to make is, one, is that prayer works. Prayer does work. Two, prayer works even when you don't have faith that it'll work. That's pretty good evidence of that. Now, they were faithful. They knew that God was there. They knew that, something, you know, that their prayer would do something, but they didn't think it would actually work. They didn't think that Peter was actually going to show up. And I want to say, in my experience, 
every great once in a while, God will do things exactly the way that you, that you expect just to throw you off. So you can't say he never does things the way I expect him to do it. Because <laughs> you can never say never about him. The other th point, the third point that I want to say is keep praying. Whatever you're in, whatever you're in the, in the midst of, however it feels like, whatever you're, you're, you're feeling like it is happening on, just keep praying. And that's the whole gist of, of, of what I want to bring uh, this morning to talk about is I've got a few points that I've learned that I feel that I'm trying to walk out as it regards to prayer that most of the time as when I'm in the middle of it, it feels like nothing is happen happening until it does. And I want you to carry that with you. So let me give you some suggestions in prayer. I like to do lists, and so I'll put these up for you. The first thing is, Pray in faith, but live by hope. And here's what I mean by that. Any of you heard of Steve Backlund before? He's, he's been here. He's like this guy who is all about faith and hope and optimism. And, and he, you know, our, our men's group, the Band of Brothers, we read a list of declarations before our, every group. Declarations of things like, our prayers are powerful and effective. And we just say these declarations so that we begin to let them soak in. But one of the things Steve Backlund says is there's a difference between faith and hope, as he's observed. So in our circles, the kind of people who go to our churches, you know, we, we do have an odd group of people that would come here. You're, you're all odd, but I'm with you, so I'm here too. In our groups, though, he has noticed that it, there's kind of a difference between faith people who don't necessarily carry hope and faith people who carry hope. There's a difference. Faith people need everything to work out exactly like they're imagining, and they believe it's going to happen, but if it doesn't happen exactly the way they thought, their dreams are crushed. They may even lose their faith. Hope people come in, and they're like, I believe God's going to do this, but even if it doesn't happen the way that I thought, I know that it's all going to work out in the end. And that's what I'm talking about in the, as, as part of the difference here. So um, I had a lady that I, when I was um, working at my previous pastoral gig, um, she found our church phone number, and she lived in Missouri. I don't know how she found our church phone number. And she, it was just the strangest thing, she had... Um, an eye surgery where she had lenses removed from her eyes and had artificial lenses put in. And so she called and asked, she would call, spend like all day because she totally regretted having the surgery and she wanted God to restore her natural lenses to her eyes. And we're a crazy church and we'll pray for stuff like that. And so she would call and, and I'd, I'd take her call and I'd say, listen, I will pray for you once a week. Don't call me more than that, but I'll pray for you once a week. We believe in that kind of thing. And I'd pray for her, and she'd feel like something was happening. And, and then, you know, the next week she was back in the dumps again, and she just she wanted God to do exactly what she wanted. And when it didn't happen, she lost all hope in life, and she never did regain her hope in life. It's because she was a faith person but not a hope person. 
She had to have God do things exactly the way that she wanted or it would crush her faith. I like the, uh, the scripture from Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. This is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three guys, they are um, serving this, this wicked king, and he is demanding that they worship an idol, and they refuse to do it. And when they don't do it, he orders them to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And this is how they respond. And I love, listen for the combination of faith and hope in this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, that's the name of the king, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They're basically saying we have faith that God is going to live, deliver us. But regardless of whether he does it the way we think he's going to do it or not, God is still good. He is still our God, and we're not serving any other God. He doesn't have to behave the way that we want him to to prove that he's God. We already have that settled in our hearts because we have hope. I love that combination of faith and hope. The second, uh, or, I'm, yeah, the second thing is when you are praying, um, don't, basically don't talk yourself out of praying because you feel like the quality of your prayer is not enough. Don't disqualify yourself because your prayers are too short, too sloppy, or poorly motivated. And we do this all of the time. I find myself doing this is I get in my head what it means to pray and I think I'm locking myself in this solitude room with nothing else there and I'm setting aside 10 hours of prayer and fasting and, and, and you know seeking the Lord and it should be miserable the whole time. I should just hate being in there. And then what I don't do is if I can't, don't have time or, or, or energy or faith to do that, I won't pray at all. And another thing that Steve Backlund said, I've been listening to his podcast lately, so this is why I'm referring to, to him. He ends all of his podcasts for probably the past couple of years is what he says is, five seconds of faith-filled prayer is more powerful than 30 minutes of prayer in doubt and strife. And so at the end of every podcast, he said, we pray for us for five seconds. And I'm like, yeah, I'll pray for you for five seconds. I can do that. I've got five seconds. And um, don't talk yourself out of it because you're not really good at it or you cut yourself short. If you have five seconds, just give that to him. And if you know that you want more, work on it, but don't let that stop you from giving him what you have. Another thing is, prayer doesn't have to look like this just solemn, you know, stoic time. There are times that you can be praying and nobody else knows about it. 
Listen to this one. This is from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses uh, 4 and 5. Nehemiah, um, this is um, after the, the Jews were exiled and they were taken away from their home and, and he wants to go back and he's, he's hoping to rebuild the Jewish temple. And so he's going to, to a, the king that he's serving, which is not a Jewish king. And this is what he says. Then the king said to me, what you, would you request? Now hear this part. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now he's in the middle of a conversation with the king. He's in the middle. So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. What I love about that short, the point of that short little section is, he was praying in the middle of a conversation. And it worked. It worked. And so don't sell yourself short when you're giving him what you have in the time that you have. Okay? Just pray. Just give what you have to him. Here's the other thing that I, I want to, to show you, another scripture. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. This is what Paul is saying about his weaknesses. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah, let that sink in. Sometimes God's letting you be weak so that he can be strong. And sometimes... When we try to be strong, his influence gets weaker. And so when it comes to prayer, whatever else you're doing, give him that weak prayer, that poorly motivated prayer, that sloppy prayer. Give it to him and let him become strong in it. Let other people be shocked at like, he didn't even have that good of motives and God answered it. Let me give you an example of, of what's happened to me recently. So, when I'm not pastoring or, or being a husband and father, I often drive Uber. And when I do that, you get a lot of opportunities to meet a lot of different people. And so um, one day I picked up um, a lady. I may have shared this recently, but I picked up a lady. And um, she, it says in my profile that I'm a pastor. I don't necessarily advertise it as my first thing, but I'm not trying to hide it. It's just not necessarily the first line of conversation every time. And she sees that I'm a pastor, and she's like, oh, you're a pastor. Which plague do you think we're on? I'm like, plague? What? Yeah, which plague do you think we're on? I mean, the end's coming really soon, and I'm like, oh, gosh, not one of these. And so I said, initially I said something like, you know, I don't worry about which plague we're on, because if Jesus is coming tomorrow, he's coming in a thousand years, I don't want to live my life differently. I don't want to be let fear lead me into following him that I'm worried he's coming back soon because then I won't plan for the, for the, the future. And so I said, you know, 
Jesus said it's not for us to know and yada 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 she didn't care because she wanted to talk about end times and and how you know the world's going to pot and as she's going on and on and on I'm thinking God I really hate this conversation I can't wait till I drop her off I said, Lord, would you rescue me? Would you give me a word for her that would just change the conversation? And he said, ask her about her adult daughter. And so I did. I said, do you have an adult daughter that you haven't seen for a while? And she floods into tears. And she's like, how did you know? I said, well, God's telling me stuff. So I, I, I didn't know, but God's telling me things. I, I said, you've had broken communication with her but God wants you to know it's time to restore that relationship. And she's just wrecked, and she's just like, oh, this is so amazing, this is so great. Now I'm enjoying the ride now. <laughs> We're not talking about end times or anything anymore. We're just, you know, I'm just enjoying the ride. And when I dropped her off, <clears throat> she said, will you pick me up later? I said, I, I honestly don't know. I don't arrange the, the rides. If God wills it, which it didn't, he didn't will it. It didn't happen. But I will say this. My motives were terrible. I was trying to get out of a boring conversation. <laughs> and God didn't care because he loves her and he loves me. And he'll take whatever garbage you give him if, if you give it to him. If you give your brokenness, if you give your imperfection to him, if you give it to him, he will turn it into something amazing. All right, the next thing I want to mention, next point, number three, is recognize and thank God when your prayers are answered. And I think that should be obvious, but it isn't always. Because sometimes you're always on to your next worry. Like God answers one thing, but you're like, yeah, but I, don't, I still need this. Okay, he loves it when you thank him for what he's already done. And you will benefit from it if you do. There was a lady at... at the last church where I was, we opened time for um, testimonies. And she, um, she was a nurse, and she stood up to give testimony, and she said, um, we were in the operating room, and the person uh, that we were operating on flatlined. And I said, oh, Lord, please don't. It's just so much work if somebody dies on our table that we have to clean this all up and take care of it. She said, Lord, don't let it happen. And all of a sudden, it's, the, you know, the, it, the whatever the thing is, the EKG or whatever started working again. And I said to her, it sounds like you raised the dead. And she had this shocked look on her face. She's like, what? Well, that's what just happened. He was dead. You prayed and he came back to life. And, and she didn't even think to, to thank him that she raised the dead. She didn't realize she had done it. It was so subtle, she didn't even realize. But part of the, the point I'm trying to make is thank him. Thank him for what little things and let him show you what he actually did. The next thing, um, pray even when it feels like you don't need to pray. Like, if you've been in a jam, you probably know what it's like to pray, you know? When you, you, you know, you're out of money, and you need money, and you got a bill coming up, 
you know what it's like to pray. But when you got lots of money in the bank and all your bills are paid, you might forget. But what if, what if we prayed the same way when we didn't feel like we needed it as when we did feel like we needed it? We're coming into a time of expansion for this church. And this church has been covered in all kinds of prayer. All kinds of prayer. And um, I want to say that there can be a temptation to think we don't need to dig in because, man, God's expanding. The building's getting bigger. You know, we're doing well. Things are, are going well. What if we dig in and pray and ask for the more? as we're expanding what if we actually admit to him that even when things are good we still need him like I can't I can't take a breath without him <laughs> and then the last thing I want to mention about prayer is don't limit your prayer to just asking for things. Make sure that you spend some time in thanksgiving, like thank you for what he's already done or doing. Thank him for the prayers that you already prayed that you haven't seen answered yet because you have faith. <laughs> and spend a little time saying, God, what do you want to talk about? Like, what do you want to say? Like, I've been talking this whole time pardon me what did you want to tell me and and sometimes he'll come in and say you know all that stuff you've been worried about I don't really care about that but I want to tell you what I what's on my heart and if you want to grow in a depth with him get past just the times when you're asking him for something if the only time I ask I talk to Angie's when I want something. There's a problem in our marriage, right? And so I want to have more. I want to have a, a, a deeper depth to that. Now, there is one exception. I, I, I just said uh, at the beginning of the sermon, you may remember what I said, that you will never regret praying too much. There's one exception to that rule. If you are praying as an excuse not to do what God already told you to do, then you will regret praying too much. So if he has already given you instruction, and you know you're supposed to do it, but you're trying to talk him out of it, you're trying to say, okay, God, that's a great idea, but you got another way, I'd rather, I'd rather, let me just pray a little more. Let me pray into this a little more. That's the time that you may regret praying too much. Other than that, don't worry about praying too much. So I want to take a minute. I'm going to uh, call if we could just have somebody come up and, and play a little something soft. We have in our midst um, some ladies that are specifically part of a group of intercessors. And I didn't tell you ahead of time. I should have. But Leah Miranda oversees a group, and I know that she's gone at the, the Strawberry Festival. But, but if you're in that group, could you stand? And, and this may be hard because they're usually behind the scenes. These ladies have been covering this church pretty much as long as I've been here and a long time before that. I would say we probably owe a lot of our expansion to their prayers, a lot of our breakthroughs to their prayers.
And so I, what I'd like you to do is I want to pour back into them. So I'm going to ask you guys if you would surround them. Come around them. And we're going to just take a minute and we're going to pray for them. And I'm going to ask um, whoever's praying for Cheryl, could you also include Nicole in your prayer because she's not here today? And whoever's praying with Amy, could you pray for Leah because she's not here? And whoever is with Christine, could you pray for Sue? And then with um, Catherine, could you also pray for Ty? All right, we're going to just take a couple minutes, pour in, pray, just bless them. Bless them with, with God's goodness. We're just going to take a minute, and then we're going to wrap up here. You don't have to pray polite. You can bring some power. <laughs> just another minute and if you're an intercessor you better not be praying you're receiving right now you're receiving just a few more seconds and we're going to we're going to stop if you feel like uh, you have a a word for them just make sure it's something you would want to hear something that's really good like nice shoes that's a good word from the Lord Lord we thank you for our intercessors we thank you for the covering they provided and we want to let them know that they are covered as well we bless them. We bless them in every direction. We thank you that you have amplified their prayers. I just speak over every intercessor in here, whether they're formally in the group or not, that you will see a deeper impact than you've ever seen from this day forward in your prayers, that those casual prayers, you'll just be shocked at what God does, how he multiplies those prayers and turns them into something amazing. We bless every intercessor in here. We thank you because we know that we have been blessed because of their prayers. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to now call our prayer teams up. And some of those just got poured into, some of the people on the prayer team. So.
If you have um, any kind of need, whether it be a, a need for physical healing, situation going on in your life, or just you would just like prayer, I'd like to invite you to come up front. We would love to pray for you. If you have never given your life to Jesus, you could say the most important prayer of your life today. We'd invite you to come up and just let the Lord minister to you. So, stand up and I'll, I'll dismiss us. If you'd like prayer, you're welcome to come up. In Jesus' name, I bless everyone here. I pray you open our eyes to your power as we pray and give us the courage to not be discouraged, but to trust in your strength, that in, in our weakness, you are strong. We bless everyone here to go out and be a blessing to this world in Jesus' name. Amen.